I didn't think of that.
the Whitaker family, and uh, they go to Faith Baptist Church in Chelsea. Uh, Pastor uh, Summers preached last night. That's his church folks and family, and the Whitaker family used to sing around here years ago, and I, I'm, I'm assuming these are the children grown up. Is that what it is? Okay. And uh, we're glad they're here with us tonight. They'll be singing a little bit more. Brian and his sisters Lisa and Kimberly and Melody, and uh, boy, we had a good church last night. It was good. I enjoyed everything, enjoyed it afterwards as I thought about it, enjoyed it today, and looking forward to tonight. We just have one preacher on Friday night, so don't get nervous, all right? But we're going to have more singing tonight, okay? 137, Brother Tom will lead us. He loves me, all right, Brother Tom? We'll sing the first, the second, and the last. turn to the beginning of your hymnal. Hymn number two, seven. We'll sing Mansion Over the Hilltop.
morning, saints. That's a good song. You sound good tonight. Praise the Lord. Pastor Jim Green, come on up here. Brother Jim Green is pastor of Parker Memorial Baptist in Lansing, Michigan. Good friend of mine. I'm going to have him pray uh, for the meeting tonight. And, you know, I mentioned earlier that Parkview's had tent meetings for 43 consecutive years, but there were tent meetings before that. They stopped for a little while and then came back to that. So I know for over 50 years there's been tent meetings here in Livonia. And I'm just going to ask you to tell us, Brother Jim Parker, they've been doing it for years. Tell us how, how long, Brother Jim. 63. 63 years tent meetings. So that, that's great. Amen. And uh, still going strong. But uh, I love Brother Jim and his wife Terry and his family. And I want him to pray for us, and then we're going to go ahead and sing another song and go around and shake hands and welcome each other to the service. Brother Jim. Let's pray, folks. God, we need you tonight more than anything in this world. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God can move through this place, save some sinner tonight, somebody that's just going through trouble. I pray you'd strengthen them, bring the saint back to you, Lord. Those that are wayward, bring them back to the cross. Bless the the singing. Lord, may it be just what we need for our soul, dear God, I pray. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, you've been better to us than we deserve in so many ways. And thank you for this good crowd on this Friday night. I pray that you'd move in a mighty way. We'll give you all the glory for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Green. All right, page 63. Page 63. I'm going to say right now I'm a little jealous. Brother... Adam was up here preaching last night. While he was preaching, he just stepped down on that from here to there. Didn't seem to bother him a bit. And then he was preaching, he stepped up there a couple times. And then Brother Green, he's not too much younger than me, he's stepping down off that platform. Now, I know this, I'm not stepping off that platform... And I'm not stepping up. You want to see some of that? There's a step on my altar area that's about that big. Come Sunday and see me come up and down and up and down and uh, run around a little bit, all right? But I'm a little jealous that they can do that. Now, I don't know if Jim can get back up. You can get back up, Jim? Okay, all right, then. But, but they're so youthful and vigorous and all that. I'm just a little jealous. Page 63. Page 63. And Brother Tom will lead us. This, this world is not my home. And then we'll go around, shake hands, and welcome each other. Okay, Brother Tom. Bye. 
be seated. Thank you. We're glad you're here tonight. It's been an outstanding week. Great services. Had a soul saved and hoping for more. But uh, I think the saints have been encouraged and looking forward to what the Lord has for us tonight. Amen. Now, we're going to take up our offering. Let's get our ushers ready, if we can, please. We're having more ushers tonight. I was told by a pastor last night, he said, well, you know what, preacher? My whole area here tried to give money, and the ushers moved through so fast, they never could give it. They put it back in their pocket. I thank God for that preacher's observation. So we've instructed our ushers tonight, we got more ushers, to go slow. Matter of fact, I want you guys come forward if you would. All the ushers come if you will. We're going to pray. Now, fellas, here's the rule tonight. If we went too fast former nights, that means people have money in their pockets from a few services ago that they didn't give. So they're going to make it up, and then they're going to put tonight's offering in. So you got to go real slow, man. Make sure you get everything out of there. We need it tonight. Amen? Amen? And if somebody looks like they're not going in their pocket, just stand there and look at them until they put something in it. That way, that, that way we're not embarrassing them. They're embarrassing themselves, okay? So just stand there and wait and see what happens, okay? But it's been good giving, but we do need a good offering tonight. And again, this doesn't come to Parkview. goes to the evangelists, goes to the singers. We want to be a blessing. They've been a blessing to us. And so they go by faith, and we want to do, we want to do right by them. So we're going to ask God to bless the offering. The Kendrick family is going to sing. They're in the offering. They're going to sing three more songs after that. And then we're going to, I told you more singing tonight. We're going to have the Whitakers back up here to sing, and then we'll have our preacher tonight, okay? So let's pray, ask God to bless the offering. Father, thank you for this wonderful week. Lord, we thank you for the sweet spirit that's been here. Lord, I kind of felt it was coming when your people came out for prayer meeting, and they came out in abundance for work day, and they were excited. And Lord, you've blessed us, but we pray tonight you bless more. We pray if there's someone here tonight that does not know Jesus, your son is their savior. We pray for Holy Ghost conviction and drawing. And we pray that someone will be saved tonight that needs to be saved. Help the saints, Lord. Encourage us, I pray. As Brother Jim has prayed, there might be somebody here under a, a burden or a weight, and they, they need some help tonight, so encourage them. I know there's some saints here that have lost loved ones that they want to see saved. They have sorrow of a loss of a dear one, uh, Lord, to death and the grave. And we pray, God, that you might do the, do the comforting that needs to be done tonight in this place. Bless the offering, Lord. You know what we want to do with it, how we want to honor your men and their families. So we pray, God, that you give us a good offering. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Go slow, guys. Go slow. Okay?
Kendrick family. They always do such a wonderful job. Help us to worship the Lord. Let's have the Whitakers come back and sing some songs. I'm going to go ahead and say a few things. When they're done, our evangelist, Brother Brian McBride, will come and preach to us. And I appreciate Brother Kendrick and Brother Brown, their messages this week. And, of course, Brother Brian, his messages have helped us. And Brother Brian, I don't remember, um, I know you've been coming here a long time, but how many years have you been in ministry now, preacher? 39 years of ministry. And he's pastored, most of that's evangelism, I would imagine, and his good family. Was glad to have, I was glad to have them here for a few nights. It's been a while. It's just been a real good week. We've enjoyed everything, the singing, the preaching. And this family here, the Whitaker family, every time I've gone to their church, for a meeting, I've heard them, and it's always blessed me. And I went to a funeral not long ago. My brother Neesmith went to be with the Lord. And I went to his funeral, and they sang a couple songs there that day. And uh, I just loved it. I said to Pastor Summers, I said, uh, I'd like for you and your wife to come to the tent. And, and uh, I mentioned his family and uh, Brother Brian's. I've asked him a couple times, he's always said, well, you know, we're just in our old local church and we don't go out much, and I appreciate that. But I, Brother Summers, he said, well, let me talk to him. Aren't you glad he talked to him? I'm so glad they're here tonight. And uh, they're going to sing for us, I think, two, sing three, if you would, please. And then, Brother Brian, you come up, okay? But uh, next year, our tent, 2020, can you believe that? Whatever happened to Y2K? Anyway, next year, July 19th through the 24th. July 19th through the 24th. All right, you folks sing, and then Pastor Brother Brian, you come up for you.
Amen. I enjoyed the good singing, didn't you? Ministered to my heart. I appreciate the goodness of the Lord tonight. And uh, we're going to be in Genesis 49, if you'll turn over there with us. Genesis chapter 49. While you're turning, let me say thank you for all the things I've enjoyed this week. I appreciate the wonderful place I've had to stay and the good food I've been eating. Now, the lady's been cooking. And uh, they spend a lot of time cooking. I have a little stomach trouble, so I, I can't eat before service. And now the doctor won't let me eat after service. So I think he's going to make me fast the rest of my life. I don't know. But uh, I appreciate what I've been able to eat and appreciate the work that's going into the kitchen and the food and it's always good and thank you for the fellas that have set up the tent it's a blessing I appreciate that I didn't have to do that and I'm thankful for that I'm thankful it was set up when I got here and then some folks did some things for me today and uh, you treat me like I'm somebody when I come and I want to thank you now I know I'm not somebody but I still like to be like to be treated like I'm somebody so I appreciate all of your kindness and the good things that have gone on. Thank you for uh, having my family in, for taking care of them. Thank you for taking care of my in-laws when they came. And uh, I appreciate that. And thank you for taking care of my pastor. It's a blessing to be able to preach with my pastor and spend some time with him. And uh, he's been my pastor for, I don't know, 30-some 30, 30 years he's been my pastor. I remember one time years ago, I just get started out in evangelism. I hadn't, I had, really hadn't been saved all that long. I got saved saved in uh, March the 10th of 1980. In 81, the Lord called me to preach. And the first meeting I preached was at the Bean Blossom Baptist Church. It was a weak meeting in more ways than one. Uh, I'll sink in in a minute. And uh, and uh, Brother Brown asked me about joining. And, and so I went out and I started preaching. Now, when you're a young preacher and you go around places, get in meetings where there's a lot of preachers, you hear all kinds of things. And I got in this meeting where this fellow was preaching some unusual things about salvation. And I, I just tell you the truth, I got all mixed up. I just I heard what he had to say. I was a young preacher. I got all mixed up about it. And I knew I was saved, but I, I went to a church and preached. And a young man came to the altar and I was supposed to lead him to Christ and I couldn't lead him to Christ. I was so confused. And so I called my preacher on the phone, Brother James Brown. I said, Brother Brown? He said, yeah, Brian. I said, uh, I need your help. He said, what? I said, tell me what I believe about salvation. He said, what? I said, tell me what I believe about salvation. He started, he said, what are you talking about? So I started telling him what I'd been hearing preached and he said, oh, Brian, you know better than that. He said, that's old holiness doctrine. That's not Bible doctrine. And he just led me through it and straightened me out and uh, God took care of that it's good to have a pastor and I'm glad I have a pastor he just he just the same all the time every time I see him he loves God and I thank I'm thankful for him and uh, I don't know where I'd be without him so I appreciate you inviting him up and treating him uh, with kindness and I, I want you to know that means a lot to me and I want to thank you for that now we're in Genesis 49 and uh, I want to spend a moment we'll finish this up. We've been trying to finish this chapter for two years, and uh, we'll see if we can finish it up tonight. We've dealt with these boys. Genesis 49 and verse 1, the Bible said, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together and hear ye sons of Jacob and hearken unto Israel your father. One writer called this Jacob's judgment seat. He said it is a preview of the judgment
judgment seat of Christ. And I can see that when I read in this passage, Jacob will go down through these boys one after another. He'll put two of them together, Simeon and Levi. He'll talk to them about, some of them about things that have happened in their lives, some of them about things that will happen in their lives. Uh, when we read about Reuben, we read of the failure of the firstborn, then Simeon and Levi, the wickedness of willfulness, but also the grace of God. Then you come to Judah, going beyond the best. Then you have Zebulun, the broadening of the borders. You have Issachar, the soul of a servant, and also there's a picture of Christ in Issachar. Then there is Dan. I call him Dangerous Dan. And then uh, we'll come back to Gad in a moment. There is Anna of Asher, the hero of the tribe of Asher, Naphtali, a hind let loose. Joseph we looked at last night, the higher hands in the life of Joseph, and then Benjamin at war with the wolves. So the only one we have not looked at is Gad in verse number 19. I want to spend the moment with him tonight. I won't keep you real long. I'll try and be brief. I've been trying 39 years. It's never worked, but I'll try it one more time for your sake, okay? Uh, Genesis chapter 49, and look at verse number 19. Jo Jacob looks over at his boys, and he looks at Gad, and here's what he says. Gad, a troop shall overcome him, but he shall overcome at the last. A troop shall overcome him, but he shall overcome at the last. And I want to take a moment tonight and preach on Gad, and I want to preach on lasting through life's losses. Lasting through life's losses. Let's pray a moment and ask the Lord to help us. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for loving us. I thank you, Lord, for the good singing we've already had. These fine singers that have come, Lord, and I tried to glorify you with their voices and their abilities, the talents that you gave them, and I appreciate them, Lord. They blessed my heart, my soul. I thank you for what you've done in my heart this week. I thank you for your grace and mercy, for your long-suffering and your patience. I thank you for the Word of God and the sweet Holy Ghost. I thank you for the Lord Jesus who died on the cross for my sin. And I thank you, Lord, for the fellowship of believers that we have enjoyed this week. Now, Lord, I'm greatly in need of thy help. And I pray you help me in the preaching. I pray you'd get glory unto yourself. And if there is one lost tonight, I pray you draw them unto Calvary. Help those, Lord, that are discouraged. Lord, just, just magnify yourself tonight in this service. And we'll be glad. And we'll give you thanks. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk to you about Gad for a little while and lasting through life's losses. Now, I want to start this message with a couple questions. I want to ask you a question or two, and I want you to be honest with me. These are rhetorical questions. You don't have to answer me, but I want you to think about the question. Here's the first question. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight under this tent, any Christian tonight, that everything you ever tried to do for God, you accomplished. Anybody like that? I wonder if there's any Christian under the tent tonight who would say to me, Preacher, I have never failed at anything. <laughs> I wonder if there's somebody tonight say, Preacher, every dream I ever had, I've made them come true. I've never failed. I've never come short. I have never lost. Is there anybody here like that tonight? No, there isn't anybody here like that, is it? But you know what? We want to give people that impression, don't we? Sometimes we do it from the pulpit. 
Sometimes preachers are the worst culprits. We give people the idea that we never fail. We never stumble. We've never had a loss. We've never had a question. We've never had a doubt. And sometimes we do it as parents with our children. We give them the idea and leave them the idea that we've never failed. We've never made a mistake. We've never sinned. We've never had to ask God for forgiveness. Uh, sometimes we do it just in our Christian life, in our testimony. Uh, we we kind of get uh, proud of ourselves and we say, well, you know, I, I've never been like so-and-so and I've never done what so-and-so did, but I'm going to testify to you tonight. Not only have I had some victories in my Christian life, I've had some heartbreaking losses. I've had some failures. I've had many times when I had to crawl to the throne of grace and say, oh God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't want to do that. I didn't set out to do that. And Lord, I failed you and I'm sorry. I want to talk to you about those losses a little while tonight because I got news for you. You're going to be defeated sometime in your Christian life. You're going to fail sometimes in your Christian life. You're going to come short sometimes in your Christian life. You're going to set out to do the right thing and somehow end up doing the wrong thing. You'll set out to say the right thing and somehow do the wrong thing in our Christian life because we're human. We fail sometimes. We lose so what do we do when we lose? Well, let's think about this passage because basically what Jacob says to Gad is, you're going to lose. Look what he said. Gad, a troop shall overcome him. He said to Gad, Gad, you're going to be overcome. You're going to lose. There's going to be at least one battle in Gad's life that he's going to be overcome and he's going to be defeated. Now, I want you to think about these losses a moment. I want to say, first of all, that our losses in life are discouraging. It's discouraging when you lose. You ever get discouraged over yourself? You ever get discouraged when you don't measure up, when you're not what you're supposed to be? I thought about how discouraging this statement would be in Gad's life. Think about it with me. First of all, the advantage would be discouraging. There is an advantage that the enemy has over Gad in this passage. Look at it. It says, Gad, a troop. Now, let me ask you a question. How many's in a troop? Does anybody know? I don't know either. But I can tell you one thing. In a troop, there's more than one. There's a handful. There's a crowd that you call what you want, a passel. I don't know, but there's more than one. A troop, now watch it. A troop shall overcome him. Here's another question. How many's in a him? So you know what we have immediately when Jacob speaks to Gad? He tells Gad, there's more against you. There's going to be more uh, against you when you fight the battle. There's going to be the odds are going to have an advantage. You're going to have a disadvantage. There's going to be a troop against you. Do you ever feel like that in your Christian life? That there's more against God than there are for God? That there's more going against me than there is going for me? I can see how it would be a discouragement to Gad to think, you know, when I go in this battle, I'm going to be surrounded. I'm going to be overcome not by one, not by not by one, but by a troop. So that the advantage advantage would be discouraging, and then the anticipation of this loss would be discouraging. Look what it said. He said, Gad, a troop shall. See that word shall, not might. He didn't say, Gad, you know what? You might lose one. He said, Gad, you're going to lose. He didn't say, Gad, a troop might overcome you or a troop may overcome you. He said, Gad, a troop shall overcome you. What would it like be like to go into every battle wondering, is this the one? 
Is this the one daddy was talking about? Is this the one I'm going to come out on the short end? Is this the one I'm going to... I can imagine the discouragement that Gad would face. Here's a third thing that would make it discouraging. The announcement. Now, notice the wording again. We're looking at this wording real close here. Verse 19. Stay with me. We're headed somewhere. He said, Gad, a troop shall overcome him. Now, think about that. Gad, a troop shall overcome him. Now, if he was speaking right to Gad, then he would have said this. Gad, a troop shall overcome you. But he didn't say that, did he? He said, Gad, and he looked at the rest of the boys and said, a troop shall overcome him. You know what one of the most discouraging things is about our losses? When somebody knows about them. When other people know we failed. When other people see our failure. When other people, you know, I'll tell you the honest truth. When I fail, I'd like to keep it between me and God. I'd like it to be between me and the Lord and nobody else. But Gad's failure is announced. And uh, sometimes our failures are pretty widely known. So here is Gad. His losses are discouraging. Now, there may be somebody here tonight that's discouraged by their losses. There may be somebody tonight, you say, Preacher, I messed up. I, I tried to do right, but it didn't turn out right. Preacher, I, I wanted to do right. It was in my heart to do right, but it didn't turn out the way I meant it. I failed. I came up short. What are you going to do about it? Well, here's the second thing I want you to see. Our losses may be discouraging, but here's the second point. Our losses are developing us. They're developing us. You say, preacher, I don't want to lose. Well, I don't want to either. But I want you to notice something about Gad. Here's what we would think. We would think that Gad's losses would make an end of him. We might look at Gad and say, well, he got overcome, and so that's the end of Gad. He's done for. But this is not the last we hear of Gad. We hear more about him. I want you to notice Deuteronomy 33. We've mentioned this passage a couple times this week. And I want you to read what Moses says about Gad in Deuteronomy 33 and verses 20 and 21. Watch what it says here. And of Gad he said, Blessed be he that enlargeth Gad. He dwelleth as a lion and carrieth the arm with the crown of the head. And he provided the first part for himself because there in a portion of the lawgiver was he seated. And he came with the heads of the people. He executed the justice of the Lord and his judgments with Israel. Now I don't have time to go into all of this but would you just look at the first part of it? And of Gad he said, Blessed be he that enlargeth Gad. Now did what Jacob say did that? Did he say his his little spiel about Gad? Was that before what Moses said? It certainly was. It was Genesis 49. Now we're in Deuteronomy 33. We would look back at Genesis 49 and say Gad's going to lose. He's going to be overcome. We might say well that's the end of Gad. But look what Moses said. Blessed is he that enlargeth Gad. I look at that and I say to myself we would think that a loss would make an end of Gad. But apparently it didn't make an end of him. Apparently it made him better. Apparently it didn't wipe him out. Apparently it enlarged him. I want to tell you, friend, when we lose, when there are disappointments, when there are trials, when there are troubles, I believe God wants to enlarge us in the middle of our trials, in the middle of our failures. He's not trying to put an end to us. He's trying to enlarge us. 
I want you to think about it now. I want you to go to another passage of Scripture. Look with me in First Chronicles chapter number 12. First Chronicles chapter number 12. I want you to notice this passage of Scripture. First Chronicles chapter 12 and watch verse 8. First Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 8. And of the Gadites, now wait a minute, who are the Gadites? Those are the descendants of Gad. They're from this tribe that it had it announced that they were going to be overcome. Now watch what it says. And of the Gadites, they're separated themselves unto David into the hole to the wilderness. Watch it now. Men of might. But that's not all. And men of war fit for the battle. Wait a minute. We got somebody losing back there in Genesis 49. But now in 1 Chronicles 12 and verse 8, we find these Gadites, these descendants. And Jacob was talking about not only Gad personally, but his descendants down through history. Now we find them and they're called men of war and men of might. Watch what it said. It said men of war fit for the battle. Now listen to him. That could handle shield and buckler, whose faces were like the faces of lions. And were as swift as the rose upon the mountains. I'm looking at this passage and I'm thinking, wait a minute, how did we go from loser to fit for the battle? How did we go from loser overcome to men of war? All of a sudden we find the Gadites and here's what it says. It says they know how to handle their armaments, their armaments. It says this, it said uh, they can handle the shield and the buckler. I want to ask you a question tonight. I'm full of questions. I got a question for you tonight when I think of the warfare and our weapons, I think of the weapon of prayer, uh, knowing how to pray, knowing how to get your prayers answered. Well, let me ask you this question. When did you learn to pray? Yeah. You say, well, I learned to pray when my pastor preached his message on seven golden steps to the throne of prayer. No, that's when you learned about praying. Well, I learned to pray when my Sunday school teacher went through that whole little booklet on how to get your prayers answered. That's when you learned about praying. Let me remind you when you learned to pray. You learned to pray when you was beat up. You learned to pray when you was at a loss. You learned to pray when you couldn't go another step if you didn't have the help of God. Oh, you knew about praying before. You might have known the mechanics of praying before, but you didn't really learn to pray until you was beat up and you was about to go under. And if you didn't have the help of God, you were going to be finished. And you got on your knees and found your way somehow into the throne of grace and got a hold of God and God answered your prayer. You learned to pray in the most difficult trials of life. That's when you learn how to pray. Now I'm going to tell you something, friend. Those losses back there, they look so bad, but here's what they did. They taught us how to get a hold of God. They made us pray. They put us to our knees. They brought us to the throne room. They taught us that God is a God who hears and answers prayer. That's what those disappointments did. Let me ask you this question. When did you find treasures in the Word of God? Have you found any treasures in there? When did you find them? Now, I, I try to read my Bible every day. You try and read yours every day. But I'm going to be honest with you. You might not be this honest with me, but I'll be this honest with you. There's sometimes when I get done reading, if I didn't have a marker, I wouldn't wear, know where to start the next time I open my Bible. I may be the only one in here like that. But there's been times I've read my chapters and put my Bible down and it just didn't seem like I got anything. Right. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you something. 
There's been some times in my life when I was on the bottom and I had to have the help of God. And I didn't know, I didn't know where to put my foot the next time. I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to do. And I got my Bible out and I opened it up and I dove in and I said, God, you're going to have to give me some scripture. It's going to have to be more today than words on a paper. There's going to have to be something real and something meaty in there. And I'm going to tell you, there's things still alive in my soul that God gave me from the word of God in the darkest times of my life. In the losses and in the failures, sometimes we'll get in a service and the preacher will say, well, we'll have a little testimony time and once in a while he'll say this, I want you to get up and quote your favorite Bible verse and somebody will stand up without fail. There'll be somebody who'll say, God gave me this verse one time when I was on the bottom and it got in my soul and got in my heart and changed my life. I'm going to tell you the losses of life are when we cry out to God and say, Lord, I got to have another chance. I got to have a little more strength. Lord, I need some mercy and I need some grace and it turns us in to soldiers fit for the battle. They knew about their armament. Not only did they know something about their armament, but watch this. The Bible said they had an attitude about them. Now look what it said. Whose faces were like the faces of lions. Now, I read that verse and my first thought was these fellas are all ugly. They have the faces of lions. Then I remembered Proverbs chapter 30, which said the lion turneth not aside for any. And the picture there in Proverbs 30 is when that lion decides he's going to go somewhere and do something, and he starts out, you can do whatever you want to do, but he ain't turning. He's going to finish what he started. These fellas here apparently are the kind... Now, as far as attitudes go, you can have a bad attitude. But every Christian ought to have an attitude. I'm going to finish what I started. I'm not going to get turned aside. I'm going to get on the trail, and I'm going to head, and I'm going to finish the job. We ought to be like that Old Testament prophet. God made his forehead an adamant harder than flint. Somebody said, preacher, why did, the God, why did God make a preacher's forehead so hard? Because God knew he had to deal with church members. That's why. But as an adamant harder than flint, and then the Bible said Jesus set his face. He set his face to go to Jerusalem. What he was saying was he made up his mind and he's going. You say, preacher, how does that happen? Well, when you've been through some battles and you see what happens when you quit, it'll make you want to keep going on next time. It'll make when you see those that have turned aside, it'll make you want to keep going and finish the course. So I'm talking about a man who has an attitude of, I'm going to finish what I've started. Not only that, look with the third thing it said. And we're as swift as rows upon the mountains. Now I'm studying these rows because I, when I was studying in this chapter, you have the hind there, and we're speaking of Naphtali, and I got to studying the hinds and the rows, and I noticed this, they're as swift as rows upon the mountains, and over and over again in the Old Testament, you'll find this, this uh, description of somebody who is a warrior, that they were swift, and they were agile, they were swift as the rows upon the mountains, and what they're talking about is somebody who has experience, somebody who's been through the mountains, those, you and 
I could not go where the roads go on the mountains. We wouldn't know where to put our feet. We'd fall. We'd hurt ourselves. But they have been through that trail. They know the trail. They know the way. And they don't fall and they don't hurt themselves. You know why? Because they're familiar with it. And I thought to myself, oh, here's what the losses do. We get in a battle and we lose the fight. And then we go and we sit down and we pray and we think about the battle. We say to ourselves, well, I made a mistake there. I did the wrong thing. I won't make that mistake again. I won't do that again. I'll do this next time. I'll be more careful about this time. I won't put myself in that position this time. Uh, they have some They have some experience about them. You know, I like to get around an old preacher who's been around a long time uh, serving God and fighting in the battle. You know what he'll tell you? He'll tell you some things you never thought about because he's seen some things you've never seen. I like to. I used to travel with Brother Billy Kelly and we'd get in a service and the Holy Ghost would begin to move and Brother Kelly would look over and he'd say, Brian, this is what God wants in this service. And we'd do what he said and the Holy Ghost would bless. He'd been in the battle. He'd seen God move. He had an understanding. He had experience. We're lacking that experience today. A lot of time we have no discernment. We don't know what to do next. I tell people this and they think I'm joking. But I'm not joking. Not one little bit. I'm not being lighthearted. Not one little bit. If Brother Kelly had said to me in a service, Brian, the Holy Ghost wants you to get in the corner and stand on your head, I might not have been able to do it, but I'd have tried my best to do it because he knew which way the Holy Ghost was moving. He'd been in the battle. Here's what I'm saying to you. Our losses will give us experience and help us be enlarged and help develop us. Don't let your losses make you sit down. Don't let them make you quit. Don't let them make you so discouraged you don't want to serve anymore. Get up and go on and serve God and let your losses develop you into a soldier fit for the battle. We ought to leave some things behind, as Paul said. Leaving behind in the sense that we don't let them stop us. And we ought to press on toward the mark of the high calling of Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to notice one more passage. I want you to look in First Chronicles chapter 5. Because before what we read in chapter 12, we'll read something in chapter 5. And I want you to notice it. Verse number 18. First Chronicles 5 verse 18. The sons of Reuben and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh of valiant men, men able to bear buckler and sword, to shoot with bow and skillful in war were four and forty thousand, seven hundred and three score that went out to war. And they made war with the Hagarites, with Jetro and Nephish and Nodab. Now watch this. And they were helped against them. And the Hagarites were delivered into their hand and all that were with them. How come? For they cried to God in the battle. And he was entreated for them because they put their trust in him. You know how they got to be where they were in First Chronicles 12? You know how they got from Genesis 49 to 1 Chronicles 12, they got in a battle and it's about to be overcome and they cried and the Lord said, Lord, we need you. And God intervened and gave them the victory. That taught them a lesson that God can give us victory if we'll trust him. I'm thinking about times in my life. And uh, I, remember a, I remember a youth meeting down in North Carolina and the meeting itself just wasn't going very good. It, that, that particular night, that service and the singers, the Don Fitch family were up singing. It was a little quiet. And there was a, there was a young fella. And he's sitting right up here on the front. And he had a look on his face, a look of defiance, 
a look like a look of you can't you can't do anything for me and I don't want nothing to do for God. It was a defiant look on his face. And there was a young man named Jeff. He played the bass guitar uh, in the church and he come over to me and he said, let's pray for that boy. He didn't name him. He didn't point him out, but I knew who he was talking about. And I'm telling you, we got down on our knees and Jeff got to praying. And he, he wasn't just he wasn't just going through the motions. He wasn't just reciting things. He wasn't just using vain words. He walked into the throne room, got a hold of God. He got a hold of God right down there in the front. Of, we were under a tent in the front of that tent uh, uh, during that meeting. And he got to praying and calling on God. And I got to calling on God in a little while. I, I heard some commotion. And I looked up from praying and that seat was empty where that boy was. And I thought, well, he's, he's got mad and run out of the tent. And I, I got to looking around. He hadn't run out of the tent. He'd run to the altar. He's on his knees at the altar. He's weeping at the altar, getting his heart right with God. I learned a lesson that day. I learned that God can do things that I cannot do and things can be accomplished through prayer that cannot be accomplished any other way. I'm just saying to you, friend, our losses in life ought not to stop us. They ought not to discourage us. They ought not make us quit. They ought to enlarge us and make us better able to serve God. There's one last thing I want you to see. Not only the losses are seem to be discouraging, but our losses are developing us. But here's the last thing. Our losses, listen to me now, our losses should be declining as we go along in our Christian life. So what do you mean, preacher? There ought to be more and more victory in our Christian life as we go. Well, why would that be? Well, I notice what the verse said because we didn't read the whole verse. Did you notice that? We did not read the whole verse in Genesis 49. We just read the first part of it. But let's read the whole verse in Genesis 49. Watch it. Gad, a troop shall overcome him. If that was all there was, that'd be pretty sad. But look what else it said. But he shall overcome at the last. Hey, you know what? It ain't over when it looks like it's over. It's not done when it looks like it's done. We're not at the end yet. You say, preacher, I'm at the end. No, you're not at the end yet. We're not at the end. We won't be at the end until we get to glory. And until then, God will give us some things to help us to understand how to have victory in the Christian life. Let me mention a couple of things. I thought about this. I thought, first of all, about the grace of God. You say, preacher, how do we win? How do we have victory? Every victory we have does not come through the flesh. It doesn't come through the power of philosophy. It doesn't come through strategy. It doesn't come through some earthly wisdom. Every victory we win comes by the amazing grace of God. It is the power of God. And you know what grace does? Grace makes us a new creature in Christ. And as a new creature in Christ, there ought to be more and more and more and more victory. You say, preacher, all I have is losses. All I have is defeat. I'm just defeat after defeat after defeat. Why don't you trust in the grace of God? Why don't you get along with God and say, Lord, I need your help. Why don't you get some grace? There's grace for living, grace for the battle, grace for warfare. Uh, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. But all things are become new. Paul said this. He said, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now let me just stop right here and say this. I was dealing with somebody here recently and seemed like everything was a loss. Everything was a defeat. Everything, everything was uh, discouraging and everything, I uh, left them despondent and I, I was 
dealing with them, trying to help them. Well, they called me up the other night. You know what they told me? They got saved. They got born again. I found out what the problem was. They never had experienced the grace of God. I tell you, grace will help you have victory. Grace will help you walk in victory. Grace will make a new creature out of you. Grace will produce good works in your life. There's grace. I'm glad there's grace. I read this verse. I wrote it down. But the grace of God who hath called, unto, called us unto eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Now listen to this. After that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. That's what grace does. It helps you grow. We're told to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then I want you to think about this. You say, preacher, how can I? How can I finish? How can I? How can I win the battle? Remember that we're in a race. Isn't that what Paul said in Hebrews? Hebrews 12, he said, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now listen to me. We're in a race. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. When I, when I ran track when I was in high school, I was a sprinter. I ran back then before, before we went compromised and went metric, which I refused to do. It was the 100-yard dash. And I ran the 100-yard dash, and I ran the 220-yard dash, and I ran the 180 low hurdles. I never could run the high hurdles. I had some kind of mental block. I'd run right up to them and stop. But I ran them low hurdles, them 180-yard low hurdles. It was a sprint. My brother, my brother Dave, he ran, he ran the quarter mile. One time, one time the coach said, now, Dave, I know you've never done it before, but we need somebody to run the two-mile. He said, I know you've never done it, but I need somebody to run the two mile. He said, he said, you don't have to win it. I just want you to place. So my brother Dave, who had never run the two mile in his entire life, ran the two mile. I'm telling you, when he got done and he placed, he placed third. But when he got done, there was a little string there that kept you out of the infield and uh, or kept, kept you on the track. I was in the infield. He walked over after he'd finished that two-mile race. He stepped over that little string, and he walked toward me. And I started to shake his hand, and he went, <clears throat> landed flat on his face in the infield. But he finished. He finished. Would you listen to me tonight? You said, preacher, I failed. Then get up and finish. You said, preacher, I didn't, I had a loss. Then get up and finish. A righteous man falleth but seven times, but he'll rise up again. Just get up and go again. You know what God will do? He'll give you another opportunity. He'll give you another chance. He'll give you grace to go another mile. Get up and finish. You know, your life, listen to me now, your life does not have to be defined by one failure. Now, you can let one failure define your life. But it doesn't have to define your life. It's a marathon. Get up and go again. You say, well, what do people think? What does God think? What would God say? God would say, I've got grace. I've got a boatload of grace. Get up and start again. I've got mercy. Somebody said he's the God of second chances. No, he's the God of third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances and sixth chances. And if that weren't true, none of us would be here tonight. Just get up and go again. You say, well, preacher, I failed at this and I failed at that. Get up. It's a marathon. Get up and start again. Get up and go again. Get up and get back. 
start again. See if God won't bless you. See if God won't help you. Start again. You say, well, preacher, so-and-so won't let me forget. Then don't pay any attention to him. God will forget. Amen. He'll put your sins and iniquities behind him. He'll forgive them and never bring them up again. Get up and go again. Somebody here tonight, I don't know why I got it on my heart that somebody here tonight, you've had a failure, you've had a disappointment, you've had a loss, and you're just stuck there. And I'm saying to you, don't let that be the defining point of your life. Don't let it be the defining moment. There's enough grace to get up and start again. Go back and make it right if you can make it right. Make restitution if that's possible. If it's not possible, get it right with God. Get up and go again. Just start again. Start again. It's not the failure that should define you. It's the finish. The writer of Ecclesiastes said, better is the end of a thing than the beginning. It's the finish. We're headed for the finish line. Let's not get sidetracked. Let's finish well. Do you think Paul do you think Paul always did what God wanted him to do? I know he didn't because one time he wanted to go somewhere and God sent an angel and stopped him. You remember? But you know what Paul said? He said, I'm now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give to me and not to me only but unto all them also that love his appearing. Paul said I finished. Let's finish. Let's finish the job. Let's get up again. Don't let something that happened back yonder, don't let some disappointment, some failure, some loss, don't let that stop you. Get up and start again. Get it right with God. Get it right with whoever else you need to get it right with. I remember Dr. Green preaching on how to make your consecration. I don't know how many times I've heard that message, and every time I hear it, God speaks to my heart and helps me. And he always said, he said, just just humble yourself and confess. Just, just get it right. Just get it right. I'm telling you, we got a God of grace. Just humble yourself and get it right with God and start again. Finish. Let's finish the course. Let's finish well. Then let me give you one more word, and I think I'll be done. The word race, and the word grace, and the word face. Because we're going to see him face to face. When we see him face to face, we'll see him at the judgment seat of Christ, and we'll give an account. I want to hear him say, well done. Now here's what he said. He said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so I don't think he'll bring up the sins, but I think this, he's going to, see our sin was judged at Calvary. We're being judged every day as sons. One of these days at the judgment seat will be judged according to our service and our sin will be brought up, I believe, as it relates to our service, how it hindered our service. But I want to hear him say, well done. I want to hear him say, you finished. I want to hear him say, I want to hear him say, well done, Brian, well done. How can I do that if I quit along the way? Let's finish. Let's finish. At the last. Do you understand? At the last, he shall overcome. At the last, we're not at the last yet. We're not at the end yet, but we're going to head to the end. The end is coming. There'll come a last day. There'll come a last day to run the race. There'll come a last day to fight the fight. There'll come a last day. What are you going to do till then? Let's stay in the fight. Let's stay in the race. Let's finish the course until it's over, and then there'll come a day there'll be no more racing. There'll be no more fighting. There'll be no more losses. Hallelujah, there'll be no more disappointments. Uh, we'll be in the presence of Jesus. We're
we'll see him face to face. It'll be worth it all in that day. Let's finish well. Let's finish. Let's finish. Gad, a troop shall overcome him, but he shall overcome at the last. I want you to bow your heads a moment. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Our singers are going to come and our musicians. Listen to me tonight. He shall overcome at the last. Would you get up and start again? Would you purpose in your heart you're going to finish well? Would you say to the Lord, Lord, will you give me grace? Will you forgive me? Will you get something right? Somebody you got seen in your life, will you confess it tonight and repent of it? Will you? And start again? You've been hurt. You've been discouraged. Will you get up and start again? Will you say, I'm, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to finish like Paul finished. Will you finish well? Will you finish well tonight? God will help you finish. Why not come and just say, Lord, help me. Help me finish well. I don't want my life defined by a failure. I want to finish well. Now, Father, help us tonight. Help your people. I pray, Lord, that like the Gadites, though we have, though we have failures, though we have disappointments, though we have trials, I pray tonight, Lord, we'll keep on. I pray we'll finish the course. I pray we'll be like Paul and keep the faith. I pray, Lord, we'll be offered unto thee. Help somebody tonight, Lord, that's felt like quitting. Maybe somebody already has quit and thrown in the towel. I pray, Lord, they'll get back in the battle. I pray they'll get back in the race. I pray you'd help us, Lord, to finish well. Help somebody tonight. And Lord, if there's somebody lost without God, never has experienced grace, I pray they'd see that tonight and they'd come and trust you and be saved by grace. Lord, help us. Help us to take the hurts and the failures and use them to our advantage to serve you better. Help us in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Let's stand our feet a moment. The young folks are going to say, we're standing. God dealt with your heart. The altar's open. Won't you come tonight? Won't you come? Get a hold of God. You need another chance. You need some help. You want to start again? Won't you come tonight? The devil will tell you it's over. He'll tell you you're finished. He'll tell you God has no use for you. He'll tell you there's no hope for you. But I'll tell you there's hope in Christ tonight. Won't you start again? While they say
tonight. We thank the Lord for the good week we had preaching and singing and fellowship, instruction from God's Word, opportunity. And uh, we're going to close. If you're not, if you go some other place to church, then we don't want you on Sunday. You go to your church. But if there's somebody here and you don't have a home church, maybe you got saved and you're not settled in somewhere yet, we invite you to services Sunday at Parkview Baptist Church. Sunday schools at 9:45. Morning worships 10:30, and then this Sunday uh, we'll have uh, we'll have Sunday school regular Sunday school teachers for classes. Brother Jason Kendrick, our evangelist Jason Kendrick, will be preaching our morning service, and his family will be singing. And then we're going to have lunch here at church, so come prepared for that. And uh, then we're going to go right back in the auditorium, have an afternoon service. Okay, uh, and then. 
we're striking this tent. After the afternoon service, we're taking this tent down, and uh, we got to get it wrapped up for Brother Jason. He's got other meetings to go to down the road. And so, Brother Jason, is there any instruction tonight for what we want to do here? Okay, all songbooks, please, would you leave, bring it up here, put them on the platform stacks, and then all the metal chairs stack against the poles tonight as you leave. If everybody will do that. And please take your own chairs with you and uh, all the other par paraphernalia you might have brought through the week. Uh, your, you know, your, um, your coffee thermos and uh, your pillow and all that kind of stuff. Take it with you. And uh, again, we welcome you to our services. If you have your own home church, go to that church, okay? He said, but we like the Kendricks. Go to your church, all right? And uh, Parkview, let's be faithful. It's been a good week, praise the Lord. Thank uh, our, our preachers, our singers, and I want to say thank you, church, for your offerings, for your sacrifices. And uh, all the labor you did, it was unto the Lord. And pray for Sunday that God will move in our church and we'll have great movement of God. Okay? We're going to close in a word of prayer and we're going to be dismissed. Now we, Brother Pastor Williams, any announcements for tonight? Okay, we got something for the kids and we got fresh cut watermelon outside for everybody that wants that. Okay? Please be careful as you're leaving with little children running around. Okay? All right, let's close in a word of prayer. And we'll be done. Well, Father, we love you. We appreciate all you've done for us. We thank you for your dear son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for us, saved our soul. And help us to be bold to speak of him to others that know, know you not. We pray that you bless your people, these saints of God. Encourage them, help them to go from this tent with, uh, Lord, uh, more zeal for you. And please be with someone, maybe even here tonight, that's still not saved. I pray for Holy Ghost conviction. And may they get saved soon, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good night. God bless you. Thanks for coming.